0: The final snap of Super Bowl 45, the Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home.
3: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk Out of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast as a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. As always, and returning to, to the host, uh, to the mic stand, is me. Newmark, and joining <laughs> me after hosting a what was a wonderful solo pod is my lovely co-host Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing, buddy?
2: Doing well. Just noticed my collars are very popped. It's not really
3: good for the audio, <laughs> but I'm gonna exaggerate. A popped collar. It's a normal size collar. Find a new slant. Normal, exactly. YouTube, YouTube viewers. <laughs>
2: yes. Find a new slant, Christian Watson.
3: Wide <laughs> receiver. God. Um, kudos to you, buddy. I really liked your, your solo pod on Thanksgiving. So good job doing that, as well as thank you to everyone for listening to it during your post-Thanksgiving uh, food comas and everything else. But we're going to get into it a little bit since I didn't get to talk about it at all. And Lord knows mm-hmm. everybody's got here. And I have to say about this. while why you guys tune in. Duh. But no, the uh, big win for the Packers on Thanksgiving, 29-22, to 22, I was frankly shocked at the outcome like i know that there was optimism that they could kind of stick around and in our preview pod with malcolm and tyler we uh we kind of touched on like that it might be a possibility but that it wasn't likely and i don't think i saw this sort of domination as an outcome in any sort of prediction like like you said in your in your solo pod twenty nine twenty two, and it was never really that close it never felt that close i was making uh homemade green bean casserole before my first thanksgiving for lunch and i turn around as the game kick, like kicks off and i'm watching the first play and i'm dumping cream mushroom soup into a bin with the with the beans to bake and i turn around and i see that the first completion to christian watson i was like oh we're going to this is how this is going to start this is we're actually going to complete the pass like we did or like i'm <laughs> unlike we didn't uh week 1 last year against the vikings so then i like dump it i put it in the oven i immediately turn around like, oh, it's seven zero already. <laughs> like, it was a really exciting fast start that I think um shout out my dad. He had put it pretty pretty simply as is, is that they had that big play to come out with it and they realized that they could probably fight against this team. If they yeah. don't have that good first drive, it probably is a very, very different game. But I think it they just had some confidence instilled in them from that first drive that they can go against this defense that had kind of stifled them for the first half hour of that game um, earlier in the season. So kudos to Jordan Love and Christian Watson for doing a, a good service to this team and putting some some fight in them to start to start, start to start the game.
2: Yeah, I, I'm still. I know we have bigger business to attend to, but I'm still very impressed by just how everything came together. It Was not it was. As, um, complete of a performance as we've seen, I would include the Bears game really because yeah, it wasn't until the second half where the, the wheels fell or wheels fell off for Chicago. Everything, you know, gathered steam for the Packers. It was just like, it just make it's about making your own big statement. It's what we saw in the the first Packers Lives game. But even with Jared Goff throwing an interception on that opening drive, it was just so. Just to have some kind of punch like that, like it it changes the game, and we've seen this team play really well when they've scored to start games. It just feeds on through, and I think that's really, especially going into this week, that's really important to kind of put your foot down and really kind of send a message.
3: Right, and I think, like you said, they they played a complete game. Um, I'm trying to, to pull up the the play by play here, but the the Packers go. Um, touchdown touchdown downs field goal punt and then that missed field goal at the end of the half but then they end the game with um a touchdown two punts then uh they down the game or like the knelt it out to end the game which i think says a lot about the defense too like the defense just played so well and like the Ben, the Ben don't break defense is sometimes maddening just to like yeah take all your yards but when it comes down to the red zone we're not going to let you have it but they they create a lot of turnovers sean gary had a huge day um but I think they kind of just kept everybody in check. They had uh, Amon Ross St. Brown had nine catches for 95 yards that didn't really come until the end of the game. Um, David Montgomery was only was held to 71 yards. Jameer Gibbs had 50 yards. Like they there were some stats being put up in the second half of the game, but it just never felt that close because Jared Goff had multiple fumbles. I think he had yeah three fumbles, and then. Packers got on top of all of them. They were really making plays and Rashawn Gary was getting home when he needed to um, Logs three sacks along with that forced fumble Kyle Brooks um, had a wonderful day. It was just like I said, they they looked like they had a fire lit under them and it was really good to see them play with some passion and play with some intention to really go into forward field and make the Lions feel how the Packers felt earlier in the year when the Lions came into Lambeau and kicked their ass. Sorry, yeah. my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was just exciting. Like we even saw like Jonathan Owens making plays. Like I just thought it was just a truly complete game, which is how they'll need to play the rest of the season to maybe sneak into a new playoff spot. As we talk about that a little bit later. So, I guess with that, Jordan, do you want to talk cheeses because we have a list here and. I don't think either one of us have a complete list of who we actually want to hand these cheeses out to.
2: I think I have two, but I, it, again, in a game like this, it, there's plenty of debate about who is who gets it's the ultimate. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's our game balls. That's what we're doing right mm-hmm. now. That's Just right. Imagine a football made
3: of cheese. <laughs> a big brick of cheddar you're gonna throw through yeah. the air. <laughs> Jared Goff would probably fumble it too. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, before we get into it. Shame on Fox for not giving Jordan love his turkey leg. I was so excited. I just, that's yeah, all, that's all really I exciting. wanted to see is him munching on turkey leg, and stupid, just stupid. I don't know what sort of flub that is. If they were that confident that the Lions were going to win, and they wanted to save five hundred bucks as a multi-billion-dollar organization to not make a Green Bay Packer-themed uh, roasted turkey. Is like what I imagine is it was. Is that
2: true? Is that true that the lions is
3: it listen, man? I can't think of another reason why it wouldn't be. Because the
2: other, the other theory was Greg Olson dug into the turkey, and that was the only turkey that they prepared, and he has vehemently denied it. But he, I'm just saying, right? Why would they cook multiple turkeys?
3: It was everything about it was just so strange, right? But the point being is that if you are Fox, again, multi-billion dollar organization, have multiple turkeys, right? What if it gets dropped? There are <laughs> contingencies in this stupid idea that would necess- necessitate, necessitate more than one turkey. Yeah. So if you get on TV and you see Greg Olson fisting the goddamn thing, then you know you can have a second turkey on hand. And to deny Jordan Love turkey in which a game that he goes 22 of 32 268 three touchdowns a 125 passer rating and 40 yards on the on the ground running is absolutely shameful
2: you're very aggrieved right now
3: i am it's annoying like packers fans don't get to be aggrieved very often so i'm gonna be aggrieved when i can
2: (laughs) is that true i think we have plenty (laughs) no from like
3: from nfl like media yeah, like football-wise, mm. no, I don't know. Regardless, I'm just very annoyed that you give you get a guy. This who's, is a fan
2: base that literally hated Joe Buck and Troy
3: Aikman. Like,
0: get him off my every, TV.
3: Every team hates Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I don't. I think the majority of every fan base does not like them. It, I'll put it this way: it's enough of an issue that if you go to Joe Buck's Twitter account, um, at least it used to be. I'm not sure if it still is, but I'm almost certain it is. I don't. He must not have a, a Twitter account anymore, but he did. Oh no, here it is. Nope, it's not. It's not, yeah, it's it's not there Buck. anymore. It's not there anymore. But his bio used to read, "I hate your favorite football team."
2: Like, yeah, I just think that's just people being idiots. Right, but. They it take doesn't... any any criticism of valid probably because they're commenting on the game and things aren't going to get their way and taking it very personally and taking slights that are just said for it's I don't know right it, football football commentary is strange because you don't have this with we're we're really off on a tangent right now yes we are <laughs> but we don't I can watch a Bucks game and I watch my local broadcast I can watch a Brewers game and I watch my local broadcast yeah your local broadcast for a football game is the radio and not everybody listens to the radio it's a good point point. I think that's why it's so stupid to me it's like, grow up
3: <laughs> no, I, I get it Doesn't it doesn't mean that other fans don't, that other fan bases don't think that they, Joe Buck likes their team you know what I mean I don't care <laughs> regardless, Jordan Love didn't get to sink his teeth into a big juicy leg of turkey I don't. On Thanksgiving, and that's stupid. So and he brought the stuffing, but he he was stuffing. That is for sure. Um, so four cheeses. Stats already aforementioned for one Jordan Love, um, eighty six point six PFF grade. He is the first candidate, uh, for for this week's cheeses. Christian Watson is the second. Uh, five catches on seven targets, ninety four yards and a touchdown. Um, eighty seven point seven PFF grade. Just all around good game. What'd you say?
2: By far his best of the year.
3: By far his best of the year. Without a I doubt, think his the best third game of the best
2: year. ranked uh wide receiver uh, for a week
3: what was it, twelve? That probably tracks. That that tracks. Um yeah, he just I'm you know I was thinking about this during um I think like on Thanksgiving or Friday or whatever it was. And I'm gonna be really annoyed if Christian Watson does the same exact thing he did last year. Where he goes on this absolute tear for six games, and then we go or seven games now, and then we go into next year like, all right, Christian Watson, wide receiver number one, robert Dobbs or Dontavian Wicks two, Jaden Reed three, and oh no,
2: don't do that to my boy Jaden Reed.
3: I think he has. I think two and three is closer than one two or th- than one and two. Does that make sense? Like I I, I, I think by the end of the season, by the end of the season, the gap between one and two, whoever it might be, whether it be Jaden Reed or Christian Watson or Dontavian Wicks or Roman Dobbs or whoever it is, that gap I think will be f- farther apart than two and three. I think the separation of receiving, like receiving talent, is going to come out over these next six games.
2: I do agree with that. Like I if, think we're already seeing it. Yeah, honestly. And, yeah, I mean, it, part of it is just different. I mean, Jada Reed is a candidate for this, too, not to uh-huh. spoil it. But it, Jada Reed is a very versatile chess piece kind of gadgety player who can get the ball in all all of these sorts of different ways. We've always talked about Christian Watson as being this high ceiling guy, and he yeah. obviously hit it in Week 12. And Romeo Dobbs is kind of like,
3: I don't know, I he's such a, fascinating player he's i, I he keeps getting confident james jones and i think that's appropriate i just thought that right now
2: too I was yeah like, it
3: does i've, I've seen sense. it all over twitter that he is just james jones reincarnate which is if you want to like go down this this rabbit hole of one two receivers one two and three he would be solidly receiver three like you'd yeah. go you'd go back and jordy nelson slash christian watson would be one Jaden reed slash greg jennings would be two and James Jones would be three. Slash Roman Dobbs. So, I think the only reality in which one and two are close in like, talent level to being... You could have wide receiver one either week is, I think, if Jaden Reed continues his absolute explosion onto the scene the rest of the season and Christian Watson continues to do what he's doing. But I want to see more from Christian Watson before I actually expect that to happen. Is my thing.
2: Oh, yeah. It, it, it honestly... Yeah, well, I've because things had been quiet for so long. I'm really not going to give him the, the benefit of the doubt until he really kind of shows the, shows this over course of more than an eight game stretch like he did last year. If you know, if this if last week was a, a launching pad to further success this year, it's still the same sample size of this guy takes a while to really get going, but once he does, it's like watch out kind of guy
3: right exactly and I think like that's just the biggest thing is this is if it takes a while to get going then there are other other people people need to step up weeks one through ten or however long it takes for him to get going so I guess naturally let's get into Jaden Reed's stats for uh, this game against the Lions four catches on eight targets 34 receiving yards and a touchdown uh, two carries and 16 yards for all intents and purposes nothing like super splashy from Jaden Reed by all means. It was
2: really that dr- drive.
3: Yeah, just the one drive where he kinda went off and had that touchdown, but um still good nonetheless um on offense and he continues to be to be playing hurt um with a, with his chest injury. So good for him for toughing it out and thank you for toughing it out and playing the entire season, Jaden Reed, or so this season so far. Um yeah, just another good game from him and a good building up building on success for him. The other side of the ball candidates for, for a cheese. Jonathan Owens, 12 tackles, 8 of them solo, 1 tackle for a loss, and 1 fumble recovery returned for a touchdown. By far his best game of the year. Biggest impact that he's had mm-hmm. in the game. Um, I think he's coming into his own. I don't want to, like, again, this is the same Christian Watson argument, give him the benefit of the doubt before I see him do it for multiple games. Like, he's been playing better, but he's still making some significant mistakes at safety, but that doesn't mean that this game gets downgraded because of games past. He played very well this game. The the fumble that was probably an incomplete pass. Well, it wasn't. It was a, It was a fumble that yeah. he returned for a touchdown. Like whenever I see that play happen, it always makes my mind just kind of like spin because I go back to when uh, it happened to Rogers and Jared Boykin <laughs> returned it, and like it's just it's such a weird play every time it happens. You don't don't really know if it's a fumble. People think it's an incomplete pass, because in the moment, it looks like he threw it, so no one gets on top of it. It's all just a whole thing, so good on him for being aware of the situation. Uh, Next up is Rashawn Gary. Just monster of a game, dude. Three sacks, two forced fumbles, um, seven tackles, a 91.9 PFF grade. Just an absolutely outstanding game for him. Um, gets the game ball a year after he had tore his ACL in that building. Um, an emotional for Sean Gary gets the ball from at the floor, and big old hugs are all around. This just he did everything I had been talking about on this podcast. I wanted him to do get home sooner, like make impact plays, like just go do the things you're meant to be doing and what you're getting paid to do, and to get paid to do at an elite level. And he wreaked havoc all over that Lions game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, Last one is Carl Brooks. Two tackles, one solo tackle, um, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. A 91.5 PFF grade. uh, The highest rated inside defensive lineman during week 12. He's gonna be good, dude. Like, I'm really excited to see him develop. Like, really excited. Like, Devontae Wyatt, like, should be coming along faster than he is, but Carl Brooks is doing what Devonte Wyatt should be doing week in week out.
2: Yeah. I mean he's steadily it's it's not just the production, it's you see it with the level of snaps that he's increasingly getting. hmm He's an impact player and you need some line disruptors. It's not that I have been disappointed with Devonte Wyatt, but with so much noise about like he's making this next leap, he's making this next
3: during leap. training camp. Yes. Yeah. Um
2: it does feel like not it doesn't it's not necessarily like letting the air out of a balloon but he's it's just like slowly but surely and, and, and granted like it he's still doing some things well it's just not as emphatic of right a second year kind of bump whereas Carl Brooks is really hitting the ground running and he was kind of a guy that even when he got drafted, that, oh, that's a guy that may you know, mid-major school, I believe, from Bowling Green, so it's not like he's played in a big conference, but he always produced at every year in college. Right. And just fell through down to day three. So,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's really good to see him make an impact on this team, especially when it's always been about, okay, you have Kenny Clark, this great chess piece, but how do you give more of a, those disruptors at the line and Carl Bricks is fitting in there right
3: along very smoothly. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So we have six candidates here and you said you have two that you think you're down to give cheeses to. I'm curious as to know your two. I think I have two, but I want to know who your, your two are first.
2: So my lock for sure is Jordan love, clearly. That's your
3: lock for sure? Yes. Okay. I'm curious. Okay, could we just take a one?
2: The first lock, I should say.
3: Okay. Second lock. Rashawn Gary. Okay, that's that's what was was my point, was that like if you had one lock, then we need to have a Rashawn Gary discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, third, I, th- I think you could go either way. I think I agree with you that it needs to be Jordan Love or Sean Gary. Ah, man,
2: I think I would lean.
3: Who are you leaning? See, the thing is, is like
2: defensive touchdowns are such an aberration; mm-hmm. they don't happen
3: all that often, especially Jonathan on this Packers and... team.
2: No, it's why when I think when we were doing this last year during that Vikings game. Daryl Savage had a terrible year, but that game that he just balled out, Mm -hmm. gets a touchdown and takes it all the way back, that kind of ensures you to get a cheese. But now with this...
3: Reformatted.
2: Reformatted, limited cheese board, do you give it to the guy that scores a defensive touchdown and played very well all game long, Mm -hmm. even with mistakes? Or do you give it to the guy that had not produced to the level that we all expected, but... The things that we have all or were expecting to see him do, and was the leading receiver of the day.
3: I don't know. It's an interesting discussion because I think you you definitely could go to Christian Watson just based on his importance on that first drive and getting that touchdown. Like, I really think you could be, um. Totally solid in an argument to go to give him that cheese. Right, he's the guy that we needed on that. Um, on that drive and is one of the only players on this team that could make that catch um, to be able to do that I'm trying to find Jonathan Owens' um, stats for the week I'm curious as to how well he did um, he, in coverage uh, I can bring that up he had 18 targets, 14 receptions 136 yards and 3 touchdowns in coverage what? So, oh, is that the year? Really? Nope, that is the year. I don't know why because I, I clicked I on the I was going to say, game. I don't think he's... No, I don't know why that did it that way. My apologies.
2: I see four targets for three catches, 16 yards, <sighs> one touchdown.
3: Oh, I hate this, Jordan.
2: 67.1 I... coverage grade. I was, I'm going to go...
3: I'm I think... Go... Nope, go ahead.
2: I might lean Watson.
3: Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was going to say Owens. <laughs> Let's go Owens. I'm good with Owens. Yeah, I think it's got to be Jonathan Owens. I just... The, his heads-up play, recovering that fumble and bringing it back and having the wherewithal to do it, I think changed the course of the game. And I'm more confident in giving it to him based on like that play Mm-hmm. versus like just generally Christian Watson. Even though Christian Watson had a fantastic game. You know you wanna know what it's gonna be? His one messed up route that he ran that made Jaden Reed's throw or touchdown look so difficult. You know what I'm talking about? Uh yes. So like I've watched so many like I watched QB School with JT O'Sullivan and a bunch of other guys break this down. On Jaden Reed's touchdown, it's supposed to be three slants from all the three receivers going the same way and Christian Watson went the other way and ran his defender right into Jaden Reed, and like that's why that throw was thrown through a window, and barely got in there. So not that it's a big deal that he ran the wrong route, but if we're going, to, if I'm gonna take something to give him not the cheese, even though he probably deserved it too. That'd be the one thing. When it comes down to margins that small. Yeah. All right. That's
0: enough about Jesus Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Should we get on to the, the next game for the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: Do we wanna do that or do we wanna do a little playoff
3: talk? Because well, I was gonna lead into that with playoff talk, but yeah. That, okay. Yeah, okay. I I let in with the wrong thing. With that with that win, the Packers are in the playoff on Jordan. You are pretty steadfastly sure that they're gonna make it. Me? Yeah. You said today in the GSPN group chat. I I think it's not only that we're in the hunt
2: you see any corners around? Have you seen them?
3: Any corners?
2: Yeah. Do you see any corners? Not position.
3: I see a few corners right by my house, I suppose. Because if (laughs) you see see that corner right after
2: it, the Packers are standing right there. They turned. They turned the corner. (sighs) They turned the corner. Mm -hmm. That's where I believe we are. Got it.
3: Um... You you had me in a hell prison with that, dude. I was I was lost in the sauce trying to figure out where you were going with that. Um, I was trying to find what you had said today that uh, you guarantee it, but I'm not going to go back that far. But regardless, <laughs> you're pretty adamant that they've turned the corner. Packers playoff odds as of this week um, are is 50% going into the game with the Chiefs. Um, that's according to the New York Times' uh, playoff picture odds calculator. If you factor in a win over the Chiefs this Sunday night, those playoff odds rise to 70%. The. I gotta re- think for a second. If they lose, drop down to 45%. So a loss doesn't even take them out of the race that much. You had said prepod, that there is a machination. If I'm pronouncing that that, that word correctly? Learned right. a new word today, listeners. Um, that so long as the Packers go four and two or five and one, the biggest game that they have to win is the Vikings game uh, coming up. I think in three weeks, week seventeen. Weeks. Oh, so it is the second to last game. Yeah, because it's Mm -hmm. it's New Year's Eve, isn't it? I, yes, yeah. Because I'm I'm sorry, sorry, not play the. Yeah, yes, because Christmas Christmas Eve they play the Panthers. New Year's Eve they play the the Vikings. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we talked about it. We've we could probably eat crow a whole lot on this on this pod if they make it. Talking about how they're a bad team. We're playing for playing for a good draft pick and it's sure as hell looked like it, um, earlier in the season. But I mean, kudos to them. They've, they've fought back and due to the, the, uh, NFC just being not good this year, the Packers could very well sneak in as that sixth or seventh playoff team at, uh, nine and eight or 10 and six or, well, not 10 and six. I have to, win, I have to go 10 and six, but, um, or, I'm sorry, 11-6. and six. Mm. So, I don't know. Like, I'm not optimistic that they're going to make it because I don't want to get my hopes up that what we've seen against the Chargers and Lions is who they are now, especially given injuries, as well as that win against the Chargers probably should have been a win in the first place. And... I'm curious as to if they can replicate the intensity they play with against the lions. Cause like if they had actually like really won that chargers game rather than the chargers had been like had lost it, I'd be more confident. But the Mike Williams drop at the end of the game, the Quinton Johnson. Yep. My apologies. The Quinton Johnson drop at the end of the game. The Keenan Allen drop touchdown. The other Keenan Allen drop touchdown the drop on the first drive for them, like there was a lot of factors going against Justin Herbert going on and winning that game for them. And so I'm more curious as to how that plays out the rest of the year. That's the thing is that we don't play good teams the rest of the year besides the chiefs and the, um, the Vikings with Josh Dobbs or whoever they're going to Yeah. Or whoever they're going to start nick mullins i think is maybe also there i think he's in the mix if he's healthy so there is a chance that they just beat up on these mid to low tier teams and make a playoff push but i don't want to give the whole team the benefit of the doubt that they won't have slip ups that made that four game losing streak abysmal to go through does that make sense
2: Yes, I think everything that you're saying is valid because, weirdly enough, we have arrived to the place that we all expected to be, in. it's just the fact that they were two and uh, two and six, two and five, or
3: two and five, yeah,
2: before winning three of their last four. Mm-hmm. And we know that the the pattern that they have fallen into is playing these games, get close games, offense hasn't been working. Are, are clicking on all cylinders for most, for pre, the majority of every game this year. And then you find yourself in a Warren score game, you're playing playing for the game late, that kind of rhythm. Whereas the Lions game is the outlier. Mm-hmm. And do I expect them to play like that all the time? No, I, I frankly, I think that I'd be shocked if we see another level of complete performance like that or kind of definitive way of winning. However, I do think that they have built up enough, kind of. We are seeing strides offensively. Whether we think the defense is doing what they're doing to their potential, even with all the injuries that they've had, and granted that, you know, they traded their most healthy corner um, midway through the year, their best corner mm-hmm. has been hurt for increasingly this year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's still working. Yeah. By the grace of Joe Barry. <laughs> but I do think we're starting to see the consistency that we have really just tried to cling to. And yeah, I, I again they the benefit of the doubt still has to be earned on whether they can how they respond the rest of the way is going to be very indicative of how they build this team towards the future. But the bigger questions are starting to get answered, at least with Jordan Love, at least with the wide receiver in core and how we talked about, you know, they don't have a veteran wide receiver. They they didn't give Jordan Love the the support that he needed to get. It, it's just, you know, the symbiosis between that. And then the offensive line starts playing better. They start getting healthier. Defense starts, at least in lies game, they start literally disrupting and getting after uh, the quarterback and making uh, Game changing plays that way. I think that's why I'm leaning towards and Granted, too, like again, we t- have talked about this schedule being super easy. It's getting easier by the day based on the teams that are left standing. The Carolina right. the Panthers just fired their coach. Yeah. The Giants are a tire fire. Their starting quarterback right now might actually be better than the quarterback that they gave a lot of money to. Yeah. Um, it, not hyperbole
3: no it's not it just... hyperbole at all like Tommyville <laughs> played well um when was that last Sunday they not play they didn't play in Thanksgiving no they didn't no thank God uh, yeah so but no' they're, they're, the Giants are playing fine but they yeah. they're they're kind of a big question mark I, I think you put it pretty plainly that yeah as the days go by they are getting an easier schedule I just am fearful that the Mental errors and the, the penalties and the, the lack of execution on offense is here to stay. Like yeah. it's it's a lot of the penalties and the in men, the mental execution part of it. Like you you at, at the end of the day you still have a rookie in Jaden Reed, second year guys and Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Aaron Jones hasn't been around. Like it's. A.J. Dillon might play. He was back at practice uh, today on Thursday. So the running back room is still a, a big question mark. There's just a lot of question marks on offense that I'm concerned about. The defense, I can I can get on board with playing as, as long as they play well and play like they have played the last few weeks, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's just the offense is my biggest question mark and how much can we actually rely on the, the down roster guys in the in the specialists' parts on offense, to really continue to make uh, big impacts, like Octavian Wicks, Billy Keith, Jane um, Reed, Tucker Craft, are all going to need to step up in in on offense for this team to make a push. And yeah. I think like their their three away games are, or I guess the Vikings game in Minnesota is always hard. It's always hard to go into U.S. Bank and win. Like it's 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 hard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Rogers did it a whole bunch. Like I remember, quite a number of losses for Rogers at US Bank. Um, but then they had they had the benefit of playing three games at home and three games away. They play at home against the Chiefs, the Bucks, and the Bears on the season, and then they're away at MetLife, and then they're away at Carolina, Minnesota. So knock on every bit of wood you see around your your life for the next month next, I'm sorry, two weeks to make sure that MetLife doesn't claim another Achilles, because it's been doing it. <laughs> yeah. So if we can get out of MetLife alive and uninjured, un- I'd be very happy, but at the end of the day, I'm just skeptical that it's here to stay. I will be very happy E-Crow if they make the playoffs and say that they finally turned it around and they got their legs under them and played well. But they're they've learned how to, I think, win close games or maybe I guess maybe not have learned they're they're still kind of getting there but um they're playing better in close games I should say so I believe the
2: Packers are two and five
3: since U.S. Bank yes yeah but it's it's a hard place to play it just is Mm -hmm. and Vikings fans get up for the Packers game every time because they hate the Packers and justifiably so yes so listen I'll be ecstatic if they make the playoffs. I think it'd be a really good experience for a lot of the players to make the playoffs on this team, Specific, specifically Jordan Love and a lot of the specialists. But all the young guys seeing that they can do this and they can win this way would be great for for this team. And I think it's it would say a lot about how last year went and how it ended if they can do it again this year but this time get in.
2: I would that's the thing is that it's a much more enjoyable experience being in the stretch of it doesn't feel like they were trying to save their season last year. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Or, sorry. It felt like last year they were trying to save their season based on how far they had fallen. This year, it's like, it's more understandable why the Packers fell in the hole. And then now they're digging themselves out of it and it's a lot more refreshing and reassuring to see mm-hmm. that not everything has gone against their way and that there is something being built right now.
3: Yeah. It's all about expe- it's all about expectations. And so I expect them to play well down this stretch, but I don't expect them to play well enough to make it in at this point. If they come out on Sunday and beat the Chiefs, like I'll buy in. I'll really buy into them making it in and making and possibly winning a game yeah. but um for now hesitantly optimistic so with that being said let's get into that chiefs packers preview coming up this sunday night uh on sunday night football i think this is the first game this this year jordan you can correct me if i'm wrong in which the packers have a losing record against a team lifetime packers are four eight and one lifetime against the chiefs i feel like the entire season i haven't seen like a a time in which they've lost they've had a losing record against a team. It might be the Steelers would be other, the other one. But I think that one that one might have even been close. It was but, close. But yeah, four eight and one, but one and in the playoffs as the Packers beat the Chiefs thirty-five-ten in the first Super Bowl. So we got that big W over them. Um the Chiefs are three one one against the Packers at Lambeau. Um, the last time the Chiefs came to Lambeau was in twenty fifteen when the uh, when consider loss of the Packers 38, 20, 38 to twenty eight um, that season, Chiefs are eight and three. Loss. What did you say? The other only long lost loss lost Lambo. Yep, uh, the Chiefs are eight and three on the season, first in the AFC West, have a plus seventy five point differential. Packers are five and six, third in the NFC North with a plus seven point differential. That that point differential is either at zero or just above Jordan. Like we've, we, <laughs> it's been a crazy ride of. That point differential just kind of hovering around that zero mark all year long so with that being said um let's get into the injury report a little bit with this it is once again quite lengthy for um for the packers uh it is thursday as we were recording this so limited uh, participants in practice are Jair, with still with his shoulder injury, Devondra Campbell, with his neck injury, Kenny Clark, with his with his shoulder injury, Desai DeGuar, with his hip injury. Uh, A.J. Dillon was upgraded from Wednesday to Thursday to a limited participant um, with his groin injury. Uh, Rudy Ford got a new injury designation on this uh, <laughs> Thursday one with a bicep and now a groin injury, but he was limited in practice. Uh, Rashawn Gary was limited, but I think that's just, or that's, that's his shoulders. That's, I think new maybe from a couple weeks ago, or I guess it's not new but from a couple of weeks ago, but, um, whenever it was, Aaron Jones did not participate. Keyshawn Nixon was a full participant with a wrist injury. Um, no Jaden Reed yet this week, but he's, it came out that he has been battling through this chest injury for a few weeks now and that he's been playing through the pain and doesn't anticipate treating it any different this week than he had in previous weeks. So that's encouraging to hear. Um, Robert Rochelle had a, was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday with a calf injury. He did not participate in practice on Thursday. Um, Darnell Savages was, was a full participant in practice with his calf injury. Um, he is in the 21-day practice window. I don't know if I've seen any whispers about him coming off of it um, this week, but I would be encouraged if he would be. um so- Eric Stokes was limited with his, with his hamstring. He is also in the twenty one day window. Uh, Dontae Wicks has a knee injury and he is limited in practice. And Devonte White has a heel injury. He was a full participant in practice as well. Breath for the Chiefs. Uh, Nick Bolton, their linebacker, has a wrist injury. He is currently in the twenty one day practice window. He was limited both days. Brian Cook, a safety, has a bicep injury. He was a full participant. Um, the only other limited participant was Jarek McKinnon. He was an upgraded from a DMP to an, a limited participant on Thursday with a groin injury. Um, their entire receiving room was on the on the uh, the injury report, but they're all practicing. Kadarius Tony, Rashie Rice, and Sky Moore, uh, respectively, with an ankle hip uh, injury for Tony, and then a foot injury for Rashie Rice, and a knee injury for Sky Moore, all full participants. And then Donovan Smith, their uh, their tackle. Uh, practiced, as well as Legereus Sneed, their cornerback, did with a knee injury as well. So a bit of a, a an injury report for the Chiefs, but mostly optimistic for them. The only difference being that um, they're missing two guys limited, while the Packers have a bunch that are limited. So <laughs> that's, that's the main thing. So hopefully we can get healthy this week and just kind of get away from these Literally breathtaking injury reports. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. Let's start with, um, I guess, the Packers' offense and the Kansas City defense. Kansas City has allowed the second fewest points all season long, um, only behind the 49ers, and they're the least penalized defensive unit in the game, uh, or I guess rather in the NFL. Um, but the most, point, the most points the Chiefs have allowed this year is 21, which they give up to both the Eagles and the Lions in which they lost both those games as well. So, this defense, I think, is better than it was in years past. Like, I think in years past, it was good. They had, like, talent between um, Frank Clark and company out there. Chris Jones. Right. And they just, they had talent. But, that like, the team was carried by the offense, right? It was Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, um insert running back here at times that really kept this team afloat and be and had, it has made them two times through bowl champions now. But I think that's sort of flip flop. That as we'll get into it in a little bit, um, that the, the offense isn't that good, but this defense man is, it's really good. Like it, they're like you said in like, in our notes, only having allowed 21 points at most this season is an incredible achievement. Like that, just it it just it just is. That's all there is to it.
2: Yeah, I, I think I would go one step further. I think this is probably the best defense the Chiefs have ever had. Yeah. Since Mahomes had become, In the Mah- in the Mahomes era, yeah. In the Mahomes era. Like, they have legitimate playmakers. How we talked about the Chiefs, like probably would have been basically well we didn't have a podcast at the time. But the last time the Packers played the Chiefs and you're thinking, Oh, this great showdown between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Holmes gets disrupted by COVID and Jordan Love making his first set full start and Aaron Rodgers becoming an interesting character ever since then. Mm-hmm. Um I do think like how we talked about the, or how I viewed the Chiefs defense then just doesn't apply anymore. Like it, it is so different to they have Chris Jones. I know there was obviously the holdout right up. After week one too, because they they didn't remedy that until after the fact. But you have Chris Jones, you have guys that can make plays in the line. Nick Bolden, if he does play t- this week, um, it's not guaranteed yet. But he was a guy we saw him in the Super Bowl make big plays. They yep. they have guys that can make plays from that you know second level. Then like the cornerbacks, like legendary Sneed is. A really good cornerback mm-hmm. um, gonna be a problem for Christian Watson in particular as we'll get into but Trent McDuffie has been like really hailed as like a, a he's big difference maker
3: he's a second year guy uh, currently just based on um, grade on PFF he's the the sixth best graded cornerback uh, in the NFL um, mm. really kind of does it all when it comes when it comes to coverage He's had uh he has 13 total pressures this season and he has two sacks. Um six hits on on QBs. He's had five forced fumbles. Um he's only allowed one touchdown and in his 35 receptions on 50 targets, he's only given up uh 375 yards. So like he's just playing really really well um for this Chiefs defense and like you said being hailed as a difference maker for them and a stud outside, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think just the the pass rush between, um, I want to, now I'm, I'm excuse me, Chris Jones, <laughs> and his pass rush pass rush is just going. I'm not gonna say it be a problem, but like he's just a good player, dude. That's all there is to it. Like he's just he's just good, and so. Seeing how this line handles um, that pass rush is going to be like really important because I think the line played fine against Aiden Hutchinson and the rest of that Detroit Lions, um, I guess, front. But when I listened to the Athletic Pod this week with uh, Chase Daniels and I forget the actual host of it. My apologies. but Robert Mays. Yes, with Robert Mays. And I think. Why it works so well against eight Hutchinson is they got four hands on him, like they always sent two guys to his side to make sure that he couldn't really dominate one side of the ball, and so if they can, if they how can, how do you do that with a guy that's up front though, or in the middle? I think you just throw the running backs at him, just like or double team him and have guys switch on the outside. Like, I it's a good question. Like, for sure, a good question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, like. I mean, Chiefs had the fourth most sacks this year. Um, and they're, I, I think for me to frame this defense is that and it is going to be talked about a lot. Jordan loves first at a full start mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. Yeah. And he struggled. And there are a lot of reasons why that was. Ultimately, it was a 13-7 to loss. For the Packers, it wasn't like the Chiefs, you know, played lights out or anything like that. But that defense really hounded it, ratcheted up the pressure for Jordan Love. Those core tenants have not changed, even as the defenses got better. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like Jordan Love has increasingly seen more pressures go his way. He's getting more. Con- Comfortable with that in mind, but it—I don't know—it's weird. I think I guess maybe the closest kind of disruptor kind of guy like that that we've seen this year against Packers' off his line is Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And even with a twenty to three win, Aaron Donald really made his imprint on that game. Like he yeah. did, make force Jordan Love to bounce outside of the
3: pocket a lot more than he. Yeah. Um, two, had been. Two pressures and a stack in that game. According to so, PFS pressures stats, but so
2: I think I don't know, that's where it's this Chiefs defense can really they have the they have the kind of the, the big piece in the middle, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then with everything else intact of like, okay, we're gonna send five or more guys, depending on what the alignment is. We're gonna try to get at you to force you to make quick throws hit guys when they're not expecting it. And I think for me, I mean it's very easy to just be like, that's gonna be the game. Right. <laughs> but it is gonna be the game because of just like we've seen the formula for Jordan Love to get better and better and better. And then when you see a team that can actually do the things well in terms of we saw a couple of weeks ago the Chargers the a very good at least in terms of they're high in sacks because of they had just these you know, outpourings for weeks mm-hmm. um, earlier in the year, but the Chiefs have just been consistently a, really just playing tight, stingy defense that can play suppress teams in their in what they do best kind of kind of way. That's my long-winded answer.
3: No, I, but I, I definitely agree with you. I think it's going to be important to see how Josh Myers plays this game. Like, yes, he's been playing the best uh, football of his career for a few weeks now according to the Packers um but if he can hold his own against Chris Jones and if they send double teams um to Chris Jones's way to kind of nullify that pass rush then then yeah I think there's an opportunity to try and really negate him in any sort of impact but that's a lot to ask that's a lot to ask frankly but like I I think it's a good point that with the the Chiefs defense having only allowed um twenty one points all all year long. It it's crazy to think about some of the teams like they've won against. They went against the Chargers, they went against obviously the Lions and the Eagles, um the Vikings, I believe, when Kirk Cousins was still active. Yes. And so in those games, to having the most points allowed be twenty one, like that's good. Like the Chargers' offense is, is good. It's high flying. That's a division opponent. That's so a little bit harder game. But the Lions, they lost the Chiefs. Lost that game opening night, and they showed that they were good. And it's again, I think that's just a testament to where that offense has kind of come since the loss of Tyree Kill and the loss of a, a, a fairly decent wide receiver uh, room outside of Travis Kelsey. But this team has been. Totally changed its makeup and what its really, what its strong suit really is. Like I think that's, this is what, um, all those years of what we wished Rodgers could do during like after the Super Bowl, to, basically 2018, is have a dominant offense to go with your superstar quarterback, even if you have to throw in a couple of not, the the best like specialists in there. You know what I mean? And yeah. so. They, they've they've built up a good team around Patrick Mahomes on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they're just still good in general. Like This will be a tough game, for sure, for, for Jordan Love in the offense. And I think getting into that, it's going to have to be a lot of... I don't want to say trickery, but it's going to have to be a lot of... I guess trickery is the wrong word to even suggest. I think they just have to keep it simple. Get stuff over the middle, like you've been doing the last few weeks... Take the sure throws. You don't need to go deep all the time, but they, they've they been taking deep shots more and more. I think Jordan Love has more deep completions of 20 yards or more than Patrick Mahomes does this year. Um, I believe it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen that set a few times already this week. Um, But just keep it simple. Keep it over the middle and keep it sort of as a dink and dunk offense in between throws of 10 to 15 yards and, and deep bombs. I think that's what's really going to have it come down to because i'm not really expecting the rush defense that or the early rush offense to have any sort of impact this week for the packers solely because aaron jones is questionable adrian Dillon is also questionable so who is trotting out there for the packers at running back is going to be i'm not going to say moot but i'm not putting any stake into it as we go into the game
2: yeah i think It's made a lot harder that Aaron Jones is obviously not going to play because we're getting in the rhythm of, okay, Jordan Love is the offense by default. This Chiefs defense has not allowed a 300-yard passing game this year. Mm -hmm. It's a tough trying. We we talked about the establishing the run, trying to get that balance and how that all works and to... Kind of uplift Jordan Love. Now it's reversed, where Jordan Love is the engine, and you're just like anything necessary from the run game, whether it's AJ Dillon or whoever. I mean, even Jaden Reed. (laughs) Jaden Reed, yeah. Honestly, that's the thing is that we're at the Jaden Reed level. Patrick Taylor maybe will make some plays too, but like right. Um, for me, it's just it if you can get anything from the run game, if you could kind of not make it all on Jordan Love's shoulders, who looks equally, you know, equ- or more willing to kind of take on that challenge, because yeah. obviously that's what it is. Um, I think it would be, it's going to be really interesting how this game shakes out and, and what kind of bends first, because it, it will define we saw it last week with the Lions game. Of just like, if you just make a great opening start, it changes everything, mm-hmm. and what what can be possible for
3: this Packers team in particular. When you say "what bends," what do you mean? Like, I guess what what aspects of bending are you are you uh, conflating there?
2: I think if it's if it's the defense, if it's the Chiefs' defense, really kind of putting their foot down and sending a message right away that you're not going to get everything that you want <laughs> today right. kind of thing. Or it's the Packers... I, I wonder how aggressive they'll be in terms of testing this Chiefs defense. Yeah, you know I mean? There was, like... I know we didn't talk about much on the, the Lions preview pod and stuff like that, and I know you felt bad personally about it, but it was just because of <laughs> the fact that the third of the team was on the injury report. Right. But there were... Malcolm and Tyler talked about that there were signs of the Lions defense not being what it was after a very improved start, especially considering how we thought about the Lions defense last year. Right. This is a totally different animal. We're talking arguably the second best defense in the league, I would say.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I think there's real reason for optimism if the offense comes out and performs. Like, there's real, real reason for optimism. Um, I think we ought to go back to that first start against uh, the Chiefs for Jordan Love just to revisit where this has sort of come from. Uh, 19 for 34, 190 yards, and one TD and one interception in the 13-7 loss. Uh, I believe it was, again, a Sunday night game. It was either Sunday or Thursday. I forget which. Know... it was a late sunday afternoon game. Oh, is it 3 3- 3:30. Yep. Got it. Okay. I remember it being dark out for most of it as was my thing. Um but in that time it was kind of up in the air of what Jordan Love would be and I think what we saw in that game was what we saw earlier this year um in in the losing streak. So glad to see that that has kind of went away for the time being hopefully jordan loves like motivated to um to do something more against this team than he did at that time because that was a not great performance less than or just over a 50 percent first completion percentage and he didn't look all that good in that game frankly like he just didn't and so at home this is his time to go out and prove him wrong again so we'll see we'll see um. Anything else for the offense of the Packers? The defense for the um. For the uh, Chiefs, we'll talk about Christian Watson a little bit before we get out of here. Not get out of here, but talk about the other side of the ball. I yeah. I think
2: for me, I'm eager to see if Christian Watson kind of puts it all together, and um, the Chiefs like premier or not premier, but like I would say they're kind of shadow guy. for Bears need. He has been really good this year. Right. He, he kind of plays a high-risk, high-reward game. Sounds, Most like, penalized...
3: sounds like a guy what? we know. Sounds like a, a guy we know, Jair Alexander. Oh, yeah. I
2: guess. Most penalized cornerback in the league. He has 14 penalties on the year, which is kind of astounding. But opposing quarterbacks have 56.5 passer rating when targeting Sneed this year. He hasn't allowed a touchdown. Wow. On seventy-two targets, thirty-seven receptions, wow. four hundred passing yards. Per Pro Football Reference, um, yeah, not a guy that I would particularly like seeing Christian Watson match up against. But
3: they can put they can it's go about, their best play though. If he, if he's the most true. penalized corner in the in the league, get that DPI, get that DPI going. Frankly,
2: <laughs> I just think it's going to be really. It, I mean. The biggest thing increasingly, I mean, right before that Lions game, it's it's about winning your matchup. It's winning your yeah. one-on-ones kind of thing. And Christian Watson showed last week that that was not a problem for him. No. Now it's getting up, I guess, a stiffer competition and, and seeing how that goes for mm. him. I don't know. We're, we're, we're still in that wait-and-see mode of it can go really either way. It's, it's You're going to have a game like that last week, or you're going to be two catches, 23 yards, and it's... The offense is going to is not going to flow through you as much as we thought, and it's it's hard to play in this high low kind of game, high risk high reward game. But that is where Christian Watson firmly sits.
3: Yeah, and if we get a high game, I think this game goes quite well. If we get a low game, I think it'll be kind of a slog. I don't want to say a slog, but it'll be tougher than I think it. Sh- we want it to be if Christian Watson isn't performing at a level at which he was for the Detroit game. Because with, with no Luke Musgrave, um, with Octavion Wicks and Jaden Reed kind of playing hurt as they are, if we can't really get the production out of wide receiver one like you want to from Christian Watson in a game like this, against cornerbacks like this, against a defense like this, it just makes the game hard. When you go against elite defenses like this, you just need everybody to be performing at the top of their game in order to have a chance to win, especially as a young team. And so... I just, I really would like them to see, to see everybody at the peak of the performance, like they were on Thanksgiving against the Lions, and really just come out and show some, some high level performance. And even then, like, if they go out and they have like two hundred fifty yards passing, like a touchdown or two from a receiver and a couple touchdowns or like a touchdown from a running back, and they lose something like, I don't know, like thirty one to twenty. I won't be sad. Like I think that's a valiant effort against a team like this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not expecting to win, as we'll talk about with, play, with point pre- or, uh, score predictions later. But I think if they look good, it's a good indication of how the rest of the season will go for that playoff push. And if they can play really well against the Chiefs, I think you're doing the same thing you're doing against uh, for what they did against the Lions. And that showing everybody on this team and showing all 53 guys that, hey... We have a chance to really be some like do something special for this season and build success towards the playoffs and towards everyone's development. Like Chase Daniels said on that podcast today, that they've started building on success, which what which was what they weren't doing all season long until oh. this recent. I would honestly since the um, the Rams game, lost the Steelers game, which was tough, but they should have won the Steelers game, frankly. And if they do, they're on a four game winning streak. Like they they they've been playing really well. Yes. So, should we go to the other side of the ball. Yeah. Chiefs' offense is kind of just nah. It's a little it's a little weird. It's really weird. It's just I'm not as
2: it is good, but it's not like oh my god, this is terrifying. It's gonna wake me up in the middle of the night.
3: No, it's not <laughs> what it's not what it used to be. Like. In the the time of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, briefly Juju Smith Schuster, um, who was their wide receiver two before it was MVS? Do you remember?
2: Yeah, I can't, I mean, it's like Nicole Hardman, yeah. Demarcus Robinson, yep. kind of was in there, and was so another guy too. I think
3: there was another guy. I Cannot think of who it was who it is either. But when we
2: look at the twenty twenty Super Bowl roster,
3: yeah, a lot or drag <laughs> my memory. Um, but the point being is that Tammy Watkins was on that team. Yep, I remember. It, yep, the point being is that now it's wide receiver one, like Rasheed Rice, or it was supposed to be Kadarius Tony coming into the year. Sky Moore was supposed to be something too. Like there was just a few different options of what they're they were supposed to be doing, and. It just outside of Travis Kelsey, it's been tough for him. Like I'm I'm trying to bring up their, their stats here. I wish I, I would bet that Travis Kelsey is the leading receiver. He is at seven hundred and thirty-two yards. Um for receiving it's uh Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, and MVS. And so like Rasheed Rice has been really good this year. It's been a really good rookie for them. But yeah, you look at this this roster of receivers and it's not inspiring. It's Justin Watson, MVS, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Tony, and then McCall Hardman Jr. still on the team. So is Clyde edwards Hillary, by the way.
2: Yeah, Hardman came back from being on the Jets, mm-hmm. and so it's all it's all first year, second year guys that are-
3: same like the Packers have, and so it's it's more of a, a learning curve for them and just trying to figure out how they do it going forward. But none of it really matters when you have a guy like Travis Kelsey for the for Mahomes to throw to. Like, he's by far the best tight end in the league. One of the top tight ends all time. Like, he's just an absolute stud at that position. And a real threat. 732 yards this year. Five touchdowns. Um, 70 receptions. Like, it's just... That's even with missing a game, too. Um, just by far and wide, the, the best player that Mahomes can throw to on that offense. So it's going to be tough, I think, for the the Packers defense to really get any sort of momentum on him. But if they can figure out somehow, some way, a way to stop Travis Kelsey, I think they have the ability to stop the other guys too. I, yes. (laughs) I want to say, I want to say before, because I had a thought and my brain was, Mush, and I was gonna let it go. The Packers aren't good at stopping tight ends. That is where I was gonna okay, go for it. Sorry, that wasn't me. We... we saw, <laughs> we,
2: no, no, it's fine, it's fine. We saw, like, to me, the, the comparable here, and he's a really good tight end. He's not in Kelsey's level, no, very few are really anybody else in the league. I, I don't even know who would be
3: two. Uh, I probably miss Mark, Mark Andrews. Yeah, Mark but he's starting to get banged up. He's... Mark Andrews, when healthy, is too. Um, I'm trying to think of the other guys. TJ Hawkinson is too. TJ Hawkinson's two.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. TJ Hawkinson lit this Packers defense up. Yeah. Week 8. Now we're talking about Travis Kelsey. Yes, he's on the older side. He's had some durability issues. He missed a game this year. But, like, it does not matter. <laughs> like, he is so... He They have <laughs> relied on him even more this year especially as the kind of Rasheed Rice's of the world to try to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, but I think as much as he is the edge into their offense, and if you take him away, it's kind of like, you know, we'll see how that kind of goes for everybody else. Still taking him away or limiting him to what he's done Throughout his entire career, and that he's kept up into this year, it's still like that. It just takes a lot. It takes a lot out of this, this entire secondary, the linebacker core. Quay Walker is obviously going to be the kind of guy to watch for him in this regard. But like how we talked about, you know, Razul Douglas facing against um, Cole Komet. Trying to think of another, I'm sure he probably lined up against CJ Hawkins and did not play all that well. Like he had shown or had played snaps again in coverage against tight ends. And yes, it sometimes it works out, sometimes it fails miserably. But it's just about having these options to kind of stop these guys in terms of whether it's red zone, tar- red zone targets or just getting down the field. And with a limited secondary in so many different ways now. It just gets a lot harder to throw different kind of. It's like it's like uh, covering a Kevin Durant and having different defensive wings, stoppers, whatever, to really hold hold him down as much as you can. Right. And I think that's for me where it's going to be really hard for this team to to not stop or to stop Travis Kelsey in a very real way.
3: Right, but if, like if you think about the, the the this year and the the tight ends they've went up against, right? Like Jono Smith for the Falcons, kind of I don't want to say really tore them apart, but he didn't like have a bad game. I'm going through the stats. I'm not going to like go through them bit by bit, but he he had a good game. Kolka had a fine game for the Bears. Um, think about like Sam Laporta, like Sam Laporta had two good games against this Packers. Um, this Packers defense, the Chargers had two tight ends, I believe, score against them. I think with I think Gerald Everett and that Stone Smart guy both um, had scored touchdowns against against the Packers. Like they TJ T J Hawkinson, as you mentioned, they just have a tough time covering big tight ends because they don't have any big guys back there to to really go pound for pound with them or or, or like big guys in coverage that can do it. Like Preston can't cover a, a big tight end in coverage, either can Devondre or Quay for that matter. And so you just need a physical a physical DB or double covering guys to really stop these big tight ends like Travis Kelsey. And they just don't have that right now as this team is currently constructed. And so I think that'll just be the biggest thing is that can they figure out a way to scheme a defense to ensure that Travis Kelsey isn't the one that beats them. I'm fine if they throw three touchdowns to Rasheed Rice or Sky Moore or, who, or Justin Watson or MVS or whoever, because then it's... It's those guys that have a lesser chance of beating you. Beating you, but if they if it comes out and Travis Kelsey goes for one fifty two TDs and it's a blowout, then it's just like okay. Understandably, it's it's hard to cover Travis Kelsey, but I'd be disappointed that that's how we lost because we've had a longer time than usual usual to prep for this game, and figuring out a way to stop the most dynamic part of that offense. Would is obviously priority number one. Yeah,
2: that, it's interesting that you lean that way because I think I would, I would, I expect Travis Kelsey to wreak havoc, and if you kind of play it in a way of, we know he's going to get his, it's a matter of the other guys not going off, like Rasheed Rice. I mean, we can kind of segue into him. Yeah, but. He had a breakout game last week. Mm-hmm. Ranty was against the Raiders, and they did not start Marcus Peters, who they subsequently waived, uh, whatever that means, or yeah. whatever was going on with that. Um, I do think I would live with Travis Kelsey having a, a performance, like you mentioned, rather, rather than the guys that we don't expect going off. Be like, oh, of course, MVS scores in Lambeau. You know, it is returned... Backs at Green Bay and all right. that stuff. I don't know. That's just my perspective, but either way it's obviously it's not good if you don't win.
3: Um I think my way that you, know, you do that. I think my, my reasoning comes from like you have to protect against Travis Kelsey. You just have to. And yeah. if they if they don't, then it's just gonna be marching down the field all day long with slants over the middle. Like that's just They'll just pick, but Mahomes will just pick the defense apart with his best buddy, Travis Kelsey. But if Travis Kelsey's not open, I have more confidence in the, the outside guys covering the receivers that I mentioned and having success versus them to a point that if they are losing because of it, I'm more attributing that to Mahomes than the other guys and his ability to... To be a, a great quarterback, you know, what I'm, does, does that make sense? Or my, I... I do think it makes sense. As like I, again, I just, I just think that if the if the game ends and we'll say it's for easy math's sake, like twenty eight to to twenty, and the the Packers lose and Kelsey has a has a touchdown, they give up a running rushing touchdown to Pacheco, but then like two to like Justin Watson, like. That's probably a poor performance on one of the cornerback's like assignments, but I think elevating Justin Watson to the ability of having two touchdowns and some yards is more of a Mahomes factor than it is a Justin Watson factor, and I think that's just what you have to live with when you go against the best quarterback in the NFL. Like yeah. that's just the biggest thing is that we haven't talked about Mahomes at all, and we don't have it on there. But like Patrick Mahomes is good, and he's the best quarterback in the game, and he's the reason the Chiefs are eight and three, despite yeah. the defense not allowing more than twenty one points this season. Like they still the score
2: worst, His worst is still uh, the best 30, like <laughs> the best for thirty other quarterbacks, not named Jordan Love,
3: right. Can you, can you. <laughs> Right, and he just has that ability to, to take over a game at literally any point and make sure that the Chiefs are in it throughout the entire game. Like, I can't remember yeah. a time where I've seen Patrick Mahomes just look lost in a game. Like, I think maybe that 2020 Super Bowl when the Buccaneers just had their number. Oh, geez. but God, golly, yeah. golly, if that's the only game when you had to go against that elite defense that the Buccaneers had that year, that he's he, he'll find a way. Is It's kind of my point. You're not going to be able to stop the— chiefs from scoring points so if you can, so if you can stop them from scoring points in the most efficient ways that they are usually able to do that which is through the air to travis kelsey then i think you're playing good defense you just can't stop him at all costs like you, you just can't stop him fully and whether the touchdown goes through to she Rice, sky Moore, pacheco tony or justin watson like i'm fine with losing to that it'd be really annoying to just lose to the most obvious solution I guess, is my point of view.
2: Interesting, because I I just don't. I. It's like you expect to get gassed by that, or I mean, we we're talking about Kelsey. Mahomes could easily uh, put this game on its head by getting elusive in the pocket, and the Packers, as much as like you know, last week was really successful at getting home at the quarterback. Yeah, they might just not finish those plays, and we know how. They struggle with, you know <laughs> scrambly quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can get outside of the pocket and if everybody else is in coverage, they're going to break for, break free for a good, you know, game kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's the danger. The threat of Mahomes is not just, you know, even if he's not playing his best ball this year or he doesn't have the the most sure handed wide receiver core um beyond Travis Kelsey he still can break games open with just his just ability to read make plays that no other quarterback in the league can make and just do it in all sorts of different ways and he I think too like we we think of him as this flashy quarterback roughly so because he's just a, a freak athlete in in terms of just like making throws that both veer on farvisms but just kind of like it's it's just this processing ability that he has mm-hmm. but winning games that are not necessarily sexy or like offensive explosions or the the kind of these gritty games that the Chiefs have kind of steadily found themselves winning this year that's not nothing like that is whatever invaluable thing that you want to say about the heart of a champion or all these different clichés. They do exist because they can win in so many different ways. And yeah. as we've talked about plenty with the Packers, it's like learning how to win is is a skill. Mm-hmm. It very much is a skill.
3: And when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes who has led so many game-winning touchdowns and so many drives in 30 seconds to go down and kick a field goal, like it's just hard to win against this team when you have a guy like that on their side. It just is. Yeah. So, um watch out for Isaiah Pacheco. That dude runs hard. Like I think there is going to be a, a tough time that it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them to stop him. I think like he he is a he's a hard runner, and if they can have a another performance against the rushing game like they had against the Lions, I think that's very good for them. But mm-hmm. again, it, th- this game lives and dies with how Patrick Mahomes plays, and it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, so. Um, anything else? I, I think we kind of covered it at all.
2: I think we go players to watch.
3: Players to watch. I'll let you go first. Um, unless you don't want to,
2: there's just a lot of options. There are a, a lot, lot of options. more options. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Kelsey. That makes sense. That's I, I. Just, Just think, it's pretty legit
3: for <laughs> fun yeah. to go with.
2: <laughs> if he if he is everything that he has been this year, it's going to be hard stopping him. It's going to be hard stopping the Chiefs. It's going to be hard stopping or matching their level of offensive output because they, as much as they have lagged compared to the standard that they've set, they can still win the shootout kind of games um, in a very real way. So I'm Kelsey. For me.
3: I think I'm going to go Chris Jones. Like, how he is able to put his imprint on this game, I think dictates how well Jordan Love can stand the pocket and make throws that he was making all of the last week against the Lions. So we'll see what that looks like come come Sunday. Because if if Chris Jones is disrupting the pocket a whole lot, I think it's going to be pretty bad for the Packers, but if he is being held in check and Jordan Love has the ability to step up and throw, then go for it. Then I think they they have not a a good chance, but a decent chance to be in this game and come and maybe get out of there with a win. My Packer is going to be um, is going to be Christian Watson. Like I just, I just really want him to see. I really want to see him Put together back to back good performances because if he doesn't, then it's just like okay, then maybe um, that was just a flash in the pan for him, and it's not something we can rely on week to week. I'd like it to be, I really would, but if it's if it's not, then it's just tough. So, and like I said earlier, I think they need him. I think they are, they're going to need the the best parts of every single guy on this team to have a chance to win this game.
2: My packer to watch is really hard. I really just want to go with the obvious of Jordan Love just because I think it, the narrative is there, the storyline is there, um, and obviously he's just been a lot better um, over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to go Jane Reed. Okay. I think if this offense can get going in ways that they, they get on the ball, they do jet sweeps... They do the kind of jadeden read things that they have done over the last couple of weeks that would really relieve me and seeing the offense not just be so reliant on Jordan love just making throws making the right throws at the right times
3: mm-hmm.
2: so and I just I just don't think even is gonna make much of an effect this year or this game right um so yeah just getting their most dynamic wide receiver Um, the ball in different ways would just be very helpful for me
3: and Jaden Reed. Some might say it's a plus. I would agree. (laughs) Score predictions. Um, I'm going to go uh, Chiefs 34 Packers 23 I'm optimistic that they can score some points, but I think that the Chiefs are just... I think Patrick Mahomes and company is just going to have too much fun in this game.
2: Chiefs 27,
3: Packers 23. Do you think they lose at the end?
2: I think they will try to win the game and they will fall short like they had
3: the Steelers yeah so you think they have a chance yeah. to win it but ultimately come short
2: yeah or i mean i just want to see a one score game i just want to see them just play play close
3: yeah that works all right that does it for us folks time to get into some promotions for the gspn network and our plans for the upcoming episodes. Um this coming Sunday, obviously, is the Packers game. Seven thirty uh <laughs> on uh Sunday Night football. Coincidentally, that episode is our one hundredth episode. So claps all around, woot woot, woot. Um, we are going to be going live after that episode when lose draw any of that sort of stuff to recap the game and just have a a good old time over there. So please join us for that live pod on Sunday. Um, Check out all things gspn.info or gspn at gspn.info. You can find links to the Discord, um, links out to all the other pods, including Eurostep, 1 and 6, Cruising for a Bruising, and Make Time for this. Um, Speaking of the Bucks, you can go check out their latest episode um, with, I'm trying to think of who, who came out last with the the heat game was that Ty and Rohan, right? It was me and Ty. You and Ty. I was like, I know you and Ty recorded an episode. I didn't know which one in order it was. So me. <laughs> so go check out Jordan talking with Ty on the uh, the Bucks clinching the first seed in the East in the in season tournament. You said something. What'd you say? Ist. Ist. Yeah. Ist. Um. I'm pretty sure they just lost to the bulls now, which is an absolutely crazy thing to think about. Yeah. They're down six with six seconds to go or five math is hard. Not great, but regardless, go check out the bucks feed for all things, Milwaukee bucks. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers are nearing an extension for Jackson Turio, their pre major league all-star, hopefully to be an all-star. So, uh, Adam and Andrew had touched on that in their last episode of cruising for a bruising, which came out this week. So go check that out. Um, make time for this. I think it still is killers of the flower moon and Martin Scorsese's thing. I was wrong. Why am I talking about <laughs> um David Fincher returned for an episode of or um his movie the killer. So go t- watch that um or listen to that rather as they talk about uh the killer. So I think that's it, Jordan. You can find me at New Mexico on Twitter, you can find Jordan at JordanTresky on Twitter. Write or rate and review on your podcast app listening of choice, I guess is that. It's late. I'm tired. The point being, rate five stars, leave a comment, we'd appreciate it. So check us out on Sunday on the YouTube for the live podcast. Subscribe there. The whole nine yards. We appreciate you all as always. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And it's now December as you're listening to this. Oh my god. So we're going to start wrap up the season and with that jordan we are wrapping up this episode thank you all for listening and jordan thank you thank you